You are listening live to ESPN Radio 92.5. The band likes to cut out early on that one. I'm going to have to see what's going on with it. The band just quits playing in the middle of that intro. Welcome to the bottom line with Brad Taylor. On this blessed Sunday morning, I'm looking out the window here at our palatial studios here in downtown Lexington. It looks like a scene, the snow is coming down. It looks like a scene you'd see one of those Hallmark Christmas movies. Thank God those are over for the year. Well, until July. I think they show them in July. Boy, I can't look. I can't wait for those. Christmas in July. Oh, yippee. Hey, thanks for listening to us this morning. Hey, Miss Judy, please take your pills this morning. Mr. Ronnie, Mr. Anthony, may God bless your travels and your words this morning. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call and join in on the conversation. And after yesterday, you might want to do that. You can email the show anytime. Bottom line, Lex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex, where we offer quick handicaps of Kentucky games on game days. Make sure to check that out. On today's show, our SEC tournament countdown is down to 52 days. Countdown sponsorship pending. It was a crazy day in college basketball yesterday. We will wade through the carnage. We're down to six teams to the NFL, and we'll be down to four after today's games, both of which you can hear here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5, and of course, the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie picks, focusing on those NFL games with the college basketball games sprinkled in. All that and much, much more on today's edition of the fastest-growing sports talk radio show at Lexington. But first, Simon Cowell. You remember that show, American Idol, right? Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, you've heard of them. They got their starts on that show. In fact, American Idol is the only show in television history that was rated as the highest show for the season eight years in a row. But how? It's just a bunch of kids singing. What's so special about that? The show is good because of one person, Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell told it like it was, like we try to do on this show. He had no problem telling these delusional kids that they were the worst singers he'd ever heard and that McDonald's was hiring, and if they were taking singing lessons to call a lawyer and sue the teacher. Kind of like when I used to try to sing for my mom when I was a kid, and she just rolled her eyes and said, I need singing lessons, and then I told her it wouldn't do any good because I was already better than the teacher. And then she'd chase me around with a wooden spoon, and that ended that. But everyone associated with American Idol said, Oh, that's Simon Cowell. He's a terrible human being. How does he look at himself in the mirror? He's despicable. Do you hear how he talks to these poor kids who are trying to make it big in music? But you know what he was doing? He was telling the truth. No matter how much it hurts some people to hear it. And the one thing Simon Cowell was, he was about the money. He didn't care whose feelings he hurt. He didn't care what was going on otherwise. He wanted the money. And whatever performer could make him the most money, he liked them. And if he didn't think somebody could make him the money, he just tossed them aside. Personally, I didn't watch that show at all, to be honest. In fact, the only thing I remember was seeing the tryouts. And not the good ones, the bad ones. The ones, the kids who thought they were great but they were actually terrible. You know, the car crashes. We all love watching the car crashes and the train wrecks. Those were the most entertaining. And so here comes singer after singer trying out for American Idol, and they couldn't carry a tune with a forklift. 
and they'd sing terribly, but they thought they were great. And Simon Cowell will tell them every time that their singing just killed every dog within 10 miles. And the singer would just walk off upset, crying, and whatever, and muttering to themselves what a jerk Simon Cowell was. But he was telling them the truth. Why? Because he was about the money. But the main culprits of this humiliation weren't the performers themselves. It was the people who supported those performers, their families. After getting humiliated on national TV, these singers would walk out to their families. And those families kept telling them how great they were and how they were going to be a big star anyway, no matter what that mean old Simon Cowell told them. It's the families who are to blame for this just as much, if not more, than the actual performers themselves. And since I've started this show, I've had to deal with a lot of people coming up to me and saying, oh, Brad, man, I've heard that show. You're really good on the radio. I can't believe how good you are on the radio. And, you know, I take, I always thank them. I'm very nice to them. But not one friend of mine has told me, man, you're terrible on the radio. And in fact, my mother, God bless her, tells me I'm the best thing she's ever heard on the radio. And then I tell her every time, you're biased. And she is. But nobody I know is going to come up to me and say, hey, Brad, I heard your little radio show the other day, and it's pretty lousy. I'd rather watch grass grow or poke myself in the eye than listen to you talk about sports on the radio. They're not going to say that because my people aren't going to hurt me and hurt my feelings that way. But the thing is, sometimes I'd appreciate it if someone was critical of this show. Why? Because maybe they're trying to help me improve and get better at this. Transition all those analogies to what we're about to say about the Kentucky basketball team now sitting at 4-8 and eight after a loss to Auburn yesterday. Out in the desert, Auburn opened a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Actually got as high as three-and-a-half before ending up at three. The Sharps all over Auburn yesterday, and so were the squares. In fact, 81% of the money out in the desert was on War Eagle. So the house lost big on this one, one of the rare occurrences when fading the public was not a good idea. And not only is Kentucky 4-8 and eight in the real world, but now they're also 4-8 and eight in our world against the point spread. Talk about not living up to expectations this season. John Calipari is doing just that. And the Big Blue Nation, desperate to see this program get back to the Final Four after no appearances since 2015, continue to support this team just like the parents of a terrible American Idol reject. But unlike Simon Cowell, John Calipari doesn't seem to be playing the players that will get him the money, AK win games. Jacob Toppin, Dante Allen. They scored 15 of their team's 25 points in the first half yesterday. And the team played very well on defense in that first half, only allowing 21. Sure, the game seemed ugly. But at this point, Kentucky should take any SEC road team, road win they could get, ugly or not. And then in the second half, Toppin didn't get into the game until seven minutes were already gone in the second half. And Dante Allen didn't get into the game until eight minutes were left in the game. And of course, John Calipari had his excuses and his holster just ready to draw, saying, we're running stuff for Dante Allen and he wouldn't shoot the ball. He's in there to take shots. So wait a minute. Dante Allen makes the mistake, using that term loosely, of not shooting, while guys like B.J. Boston makes mistakes after mistake after mistake and still get an opportunity after opportunity, 
after opportunity. And for the record, when Dante Allen was on the floor yesterday, Kentucky outscored Auburn by 11 points. When B.J. Boston, the much ballyhooed lottery pick, when he was on the floor yesterday, Auburn outscored Kentucky by 13. And how come Boston and Allen are never on the floor at the same time? Would that just go against everything Calipari believes in or something? I'm just asking. But as far as Allen not taking shots, if you were Dante Allen, you might be a little scared about taking shots too. Why? Dante Allen knows if he misses a couple shots, he's coming out of the game immediately. Whereas if B.J. Boston misses dozens of shots, Calipari will applaud him, saying something like, oh yeah, shooters have to shoot. It seems silly by theory, but it isn't nearly as far from the truth as you might think. The only players who played well yesterday were Allen, Toppin, and Keon Brooks. Everybody else played poorly, and your lottery pick, B.J. Boston, was statistically the worst player on the floor. That's not my opinion. That's what the numbers say. 27 minutes, 5 points on 2 of 9 shooting. Missed his only free throw, 1 assist, 5 turnovers. So how does a guy like that get to keep playing with numbers like that? This team is just terrible at actually putting the ball into the basket, which actually helps if you want to win games. Ken Pomeroy has the 91st in the nation in offensive efficiency, and not only can this team not shoot threes, they don't attempt them either. They're 328th in the nation in three-point attempts, so they're scared to try to threes, mainly because they know they can't shoot them. But give him credit. John Calipari was in rare form after the game yesterday. But as far as Allen not taking shots, why do they have to keep focusing on him? Why do they have to keep doing these things? Well, when Calipari was asked after the game what he agreed with, well, we let one slip away on the road. That's what Calipari said after the game yesterday about this team. We let one slip away. I thought we had them. We should have had them big at halftime. I couldn't believe we didn't have the big at halftime. Oh, I guess that's why you left Toppin and Allen out so long in the second half, because you thought your team should have been winning by more than four. So you had to punish them for only having a small lead. Well, we see how that worked out for you. But when asked about B.J. Boston after the game, Cal said, I told him he was getting better, so stay the course. Stay the course? Three months ago, this guy was a top five NBA lottery pick. Now the draft guru guy from The Athletic said there's no way he could be drafted in the draft if it was held today. Stay the course? The course to what? Losing millions? Because that's what he's done in the last three months. One of the biggest problems for this team is that not only does it seem that the Big Blue Nation is losing interest at lightning speed, but the games are becoming almost unwatchable. I caught myself yesterday changing channels during this game quite a bit, which I shouldn't do and I shouldn't admit for someone who's coming on the radio the next day to to discuss the game. But some other quotes are very telling. Jacob Toppin said after the game yesterday, once we buy into team basketball, we'll win games. Some people tend to go off track and play me basketball. Uh Uh-huh. Do you hear good teams talk like that? I don't either. After the game yesterday, Calipari was asked about his team's chances to make the NCAA tournament. His response was, we still have our chances. If we go on a run, we'll be fine. 
Yeah, if you mean go on a run, means run the table and go undefeated the rest of the way. There's a reason why we have an SEC tournament countdown, sponsorship pending, on this show for the fourth consecutive week. That's because there is no run coming to get them into the NCAA tournament. They have to win the SEC tournament. That's the bottom line here on ESPN Radio 1392.5. And is anything you've seen in the last seven weeks, has anything you've seen given you any hope of Kentucky running the table and making a run to the tournament? The numbers agree with the dreaded and despicable eye test on this one. There isn't one number that tells us Kentucky can stop on a dime and turn things around immediately. Now, not only that, but Calipari doesn't seem like he wants to change anything at all. He just wants to run the same guys out there he's been running out all year, while the more effective players sit and watch. But does that mean Cal should just bench guys like Boston and Olivier Saar and Terrence Clark when he returns for good? Jackson, Saar, and Boston, probably your best three players, but the numbers and the eye test says they all should be on the bench. And if they get to the NCAA tournament, which won't happen without an SEC tournament win, if they did make the tournament, they can't win multiple games without guys like Clark, Boston, Saar, and Jackson playing well. But that doesn't mean that those guys are even going to get you to the tournament anyway. So those NBA guys simply need to sit and watch for a while. They just need to sit back and reflect on what has to happen for them to improve. B.J. Boston, he's got to be benched. That's my opinion, but the numbers totally agree as well. Allen and Toppin had success yesterday, and Calipari intentionally stopped playing them. How does Dante Allen get benched for, quote-unquote, not taking shots, while Calipari ignores guys like Boston who go two for nine and make plenty of mistakes? Like we always say on this show, it's all about who you are in life. If you're a five-star recruit, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. If you're a kid from Kentucky who would have walked to Lexington to play for this team and the whole state supports him, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. So let B.J. Boston make mistakes and play while Dante Allen passes on a shot and then he's out. Just say it out loud. Say that out loud again. That doesn't make any sense at all, does it? But I'll give him credit. Cal's loyalty to his five-star players can't be debated. Cal said after the game, I'm not trying to take anyone's heart away. What that means is he doesn't want guys like B.J. Boston to check out and give up, especially when Boston is getting booed at home games, which he is. In saying that, Calipari is telling you that things are not going to change, and the NBA guys who are playing poorly are going to keep playing. And the non-NBA guys who are playing, well, they'll still struggle to find minutes. And it's not changing. That's all well and good. But at a place like Kentucky, with this history and this fan base, you simply cannot do that. The fans care more about this team winning now. And these players winning games while they're at Kentucky. Not how much money they're going to make once they get to the NBA. Which is what Calipari seems to be more concerned with. Calipari has always preached about working hard in practice and how the best players will play. And it's now clear that he's running the best guys out there. No, it's not. He's not running the best guys out there. 
It's not fair to the team, and it's not fair to the the fan base. So if their hearts are suffering, that's tough. Because this is big boy world. College basketball at the highest level. There's going to be some hurt feelings. So let them suffer on the bench. Calipari cares about his five stars, but he can't worry about the hearts, and he can't worry about not playing the lottery picks because they're no longer lottery picks. But it's obvious Calipari's going to play Boston and Terrence Clark and all those other guys over the other guys who are doing better statistically no matter what. Loyal to a fault. And it's not fair to guys like Davion Mintz and Devin Askew either. Those guys also play better when Boston is out of the lineup and Toppin and Allen are in. Defenses are just giving B.J. Boston shots right now. And Olivier Saar did another disappearing act yesterday and Calipari sat him. Probably because he's a senior transfer and not a five-star freshman he recruited. But let's go back a few years. Remember Scal LeBissier? Remember him? Before the season, Scal was either going to be the first or the second pick of the NBA draft that season. But Scal ended up riding the bench and playing only 15.8 minutes per game that year. Somehow, Cal schmoozed at the NBA draft and got him drafted at the very end of the first round. And now, Scal's no longer in the NBA. But back then, Calipari had no problem sitting Scal, a top five recruit and going to be a top five pick of the NBA, had no problem sitting him that season. So what's changed with Calipari from then to now? Why is it he won't bench the guys that are going to be in the NBA now where he benched a guy like Scal? No problem back then. But of course, then we get to the debate. Is Cal really trying to win games or is he just trying to make NBA players? If you look around the NBA right now, the league is littered with former Kentucky players, many of whom are very highly respected players in the league. And that begs the question, why doesn't Cal win more at Kentucky? How do you only win only one championship with all that talent coming through Lexington? It's a very fair question. De'Aaron Fox was interviewed last week, and he said the following things about Calipari. And I'm quoting now. Cal couldn't give a damn about winning college basketball games. If he's getting guys who he knows he can end up developing into NBA players, you're automatically going to win 30 games a year just from that alone. That's what I loved about Cal. Fox continues. You came in, you had to earn everything. He made you work. At the end of the day, I was a top five pick. Bam Adebayo and Malik Monk were also lottery picks. That's all you can ask for. We lost in the Elite Eight. Obviously, we were mad, but that wasn't going to make me stay. And then Fox ends up with this. We lost in a buzzer beater, and Cal brings us in 20 minutes after the game and said, all of you, you guys are gone. You're done. You're not coming back. If you need us, we'll help you but you've played your last college basketball game. If that doesn't tell you you where Calipari's head is regarding this, nothing will. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Coming up after the break, we'll continue with this little Kentucky diatribe, talking about what Kentucky has ahead in terms of schedule for this week and the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not pretty. But first... Whitetail Heaven Outfitters, Outdoor Superstore. 
They opened on Black Friday, had a huge Christmas sale, and they're still going because they were overstocked for the holidays, and they've got tremendous sales going on on right now. That's Whitetail Heaven Outdoor Superstore. Their grand opening sale continues. They're located three miles south of Fayette Mall. Whitetail Heaven Outdoor Superstore. Make sure to tell them that the bottom line sent you. They have deals going on right now that you won't believe. I was in there before uh, Christmas. They have a virtual archery range. Unbelievable. So if you have a hunter or fisherman in your life, that's where to head. Whitetail Heaven Outfitters Outdoor Superstore, three miles south of Fayette Mall. More college basketball coming up after the break. And then the NFL right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. A lot of people give me a hard time because I dress in black quite a bit. Especially on the weekends. It's a very fitting song there. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thanks so much for joining us on this Sunday morning. 381-1313 with an 859 area code. If you want to join in. Let's look forward on this Kentucky team now. This team is 4-8. and 3-2 in the SEC. 4-8. and eight. Don't know how many teams that have started 4-8 and eight have ever made the NCAA tournament. I'm going to bet it's very, very few. Our good friend Ken Pomeroy, the lord and savior of college basketball analytics, now projects Kentucky to finish with a 10-15 and 15 overall record with a 9-8 and eight SEC record. South Carolina game needs to be rescheduled. Kentucky will need that, apparently, towards the end. This team is looking at three weeks that might send the Big Blue Nation into absolute hysteria. And I say that as respectfully as I possibly can. Kentucky travels to Athens on Wednesday night to play Georgia and Big Blue Nation favorite good old Tom Crean. Well, Tommy ain't at Indiana no mo, that's for sure. Georgia sitting at 8-4, and 1-4 and four in the SEC after a joke of a non-conference schedule. You should look at that one. That was, oof. You talk about Kentucky. It's the complete antithesis of the Kentucky non-conference schedule. Their biggest win actually came yesterday at Ole Miss, a game they were an eight-point underdog, and they won straight up. It is time down in Athens. Tom Crean, 12-22 and against the spread in home games down in Athens, including 5-15 and against the spread in SEC games at home. That's a small sample size, but that'll send you to the poorhouse very quickly. Should be a higher scoring game for than usual for Kentucky as Georgia ranks 8th in the nation in tempo, so they're running it up and down the court. But keep in mind that most of their higher scoring games this season were against that joke of a non-conference schedule that we referred to. Ken Pomeroy says Kentucky will defeat Georgia 73-71. But do you trust this Kentucky team to go on the road and defeat anyone in the SEC right now? That Florida game was only eight days ago but it seems like a lot longer after the last two games. But I'll tell you this right now regarding Kentucky's future schedule. They better get that game Wednesday night at Georgia. Why? Because they may not get any of the next five after that. Yes, I said five. The five games after Georgia on Wednesday night are home to LSU at Alabama. They already lost by 20 at home. You think they're going to go down there and win that game? Probably not. Texas here at Lexington, a top five team at Missouri, Tennessee. All five of those teams are ranked higher in the Ken Palm ratings than Kentucky. And I'm warning you, Big Blue Nation, you may not get any of those five. Oh, now you're just being a troll. You just, who do you think you are, Simon Cowell? No, I'm not Simon Cowell. 
other than possibly the LSU game next Saturday, and I stress possibly, the desert won't have Kentucky favored in any of those games. Do you want to go against the odds makers five games in a row? I don't encourage you doing that. So as we sit here on January 17th, Kentucky basketball, a preseason top 10 in the AP polls, now sits at 4-8. and eight, With more wins than losses on the horizon. And the only realistic chance to make the NCAA tournament being the SEC tournament that begins in 52 days, countdown sponsorship pending. If you want me to sit here and sound like the voice of the cats across town and tell you everything is fine and there's nothing to see here while bombs are exploding in the background and tell you Kentucky football was going to go 9-1 and this past season, they truly said that. Then go listen to them and live in a state of denial. But we're more like Simon Cowell telling some delusional teenager that they have invented a new form of torture. This is a bad team. And barring a miracle in 52 days, countdown sponsorship pending, this season will go down as the worst since, dare I say it, Eddie Sutton's final year at Kentucky when a scandal-clouded team lipped to a 13-19 season in the infamous Kentucky shame cover of Sports Illustrated humiliated the school for years. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Other news in college basketball yesterday. Number 21, Ohio State. They were a seven-point underdog that they defeated Illinois. Very impressive win for the Buckeyes. Uh, Number 23, Minnesota. They were a a five-and-a-half-point underdog. They upset number seven and undefeated Michigan. It was just a matter of time before Michigan fell. They did yesterday. Butler continues their habits, always upsetting upsetting the big teams. They were a seven-point dog yesterday. Defeated straight up number eight, Creighton, in overtime. One of our personal favorites, Virginia. Never bet against Tony Bennett in the regular season. That's just a rule of thumb here at the bottom line. Number 18, Virginia beat number 12, Clemson, at Clemson yesterday. But in a telling little number that you have to pay attention to, Virginia was a road favorite in that game, although they were the lower-ranked team. We always kind of try to pick out the lower-ranked teams that's going to beat the higher-ranked teams. That was one yesterday, the old unranked trap, the lower-ranked trap. Virginia never bet against them in the ACC under Tony Bennett. They proved it yesterday. Number two, Baylor, went to Texas Tech as a four-point favorite, and they won by eight. Very impressive for Baylor. Baylor, Gonzaga, those two are head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Our unranked trap uh, forecast for the week we gave you one last week, Virginia Tech over Duke. That one came through. We have three for the well, two for this week, and one kind of, kind of, kind of upset pick. Next Saturday, number twelve Clemson will travel to unranked Florida State. Yeah, Florida State will probably be a small one possession favorite in this game. We'll take Florida State to take down number twelve Clemson. The aforementioned number twenty Virginia Tech Hokies. They will travel to Syracuse next Saturday. We'll take the Orange. The Orange will win that game. That should that game will probably be a small favorite for Virginia Tech. But it won't be an upset. But check out Louisville and Duke next Saturday in Louisville. Duke sitting at 5-3. and three. Talk about a team with a built-in excuse. Duke is CYA big time with that little COVID thing they pulled in the preseason. Yeah, they were just, they were just looking for an excuse. They're still going to lose at Louisville next Saturday, we think. Uh... But, you know, those are upset picks for the week. Florida State over number 12 Clemson. 
Syracuse number 20, Virginia Tech, and look out for Louisville over Duke next Saturday. But coming up after the break, the NFL, and it's the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie picks. But first, one of my favorite days of the year is always February 15th because all this Valentine's Day stuff is over. But if you have to get something for your significant other this Valentine's Day, St. John and Myers Jewelry. They're the best in the business at offering high-class jewelry here in Central Kentucky. Lewis and the staff over at St. John and Myers, the perfect place to get your significant other what he or she deserves this Valentine's Day. And if you walk into their location, 198 Moore Drive, you'll get $150 off any purchase if you simply walk in and mention the bottom line. That's all you got to do. You get $150 for mentioning the bottom line. That's a great deal if there ever was one. So check out our friends at St. John and Myers Jewelry. You can check them out online, stjohnandmyers.com, and they're located 198 Moore Drive. And of course, make sure to tell them the bottom line sent you. Big bucks, no whammies after the break, right here on ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. I feel like John Smoltz is walking in from the Atlanta Braves bullpen down at Turner Field from back in the day. That's a shout-out to Big Play Jay Wright, who's listening this morning. He gets that one. I think he and I are the only two people listening to this show right now who understands that reference. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, thank you so much for listening. Hey, it's an NFL day, both here on ESPN Radio 1,392.5 and in the real world. Yesterday, the Bills beat the Ravens 17-3. Bills covered as a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. And the Ravens failed to cover popular 8.5 teasers. A lot of people play teasers in these playoffs. That's never a good idea if you ask me, but that's okay. The Bills won 17-3, mainly on a kickoff return late in the game that uh, ruined any chances that the Ravens had of either winning or covering the spread. Also, the Packers beat the Rams 32-18. Packers also covered after closing as a a 7.5-point home favorite. Seven, I saw it a lot of places. They went over the 45 Favorites went 2-0 straight up and 2-0 against the spread on Saturday. And so far in the playoffs, the favorites 6-2 straight up. And they're only 4-4 against the spread. So that's what we're looking at going into today's game. By the way, the overs have hit 5-3 of these NFL playoffs. And that'll be very important when you hear our picks coming up in just a couple of minutes here. Our trends for the the, uh, wild card round, a lot different than the trends for today's divisional playoffs. It seems like the strength up front and good quarterbacking, as well as good defense, that's a good recipe to help you start handicapping the games this week. But unlike last week's wild card games, if you just throw handicapping out the window, lean on the side of the home teams, considering what we've you know kind of seen in the divisional playoffs in the past. That's what you're looking for. The key stat angles really don't mean much in these playoffs. In other words... A lot of these playoff games in this round fall to the quarterbacks. And a significant performance difference has developed in these home road splits. And it's very interesting in these division rounds. The Saturday games, the home teams go 19-3 and and 16-6 and against the spread over the last 11 seasons. While on Sundays, the road teams perform well. 14-16 and straight up, but also 21-8-1 and against the spread. So if you're into that kind of stuff, take the favorites on Saturday, the dogs on Sunday, which leads us to the games of today. Cleveland, a double-digit dog against the Chiefs. Six-seeded Browns, 
12 and 5 now, if you count last week's game, but only 7 and 10 against the spread. But they beat the Steelers last week by 11 points when they were a five and a half point road dog. First playoff win for the Browns since 1994. Do you remember where you were in 1994? I kind of do, sort of. Down in school in Georgia. That's neither here nor there. Now the Browns travel to Kansas City to face the top-seeded Chiefs, who's got everything going for them. 14-2 record. 6-10 and against the spread this year. Hmm. Defending champions favored to repeat and to win the Super Bowl this year. This line opened Kansas City as a 10-point favorite. Public is kind of split because that's a lot of points. They don't know who to back. The public loves Patrick Mahomes. We all love picking Patrick Mahomes. But they're wary of laying double digits to a team like the Browns who could put up some points. And the Browns are kind of the fan favorites, the underdog, since this is the first playoff game that they've won in decades. Divisional round dogs getting seven points or more. They're at 60% against the spread over the last decade. So when you're getting a lot of points in the playoffs, you might want to look at the dog. If this line drops to nine and a half, it'll be interesting to see a lot of things happen at that point. But the forecast is calling for high winds and low temperatures. We'll get to that in just a moment. The Browns will actually get their coach back this week. He missed last week due to the COVID. Trivia time, though. When is the last time the Chiefs won a game by more than six points? Week eight. The Chiefs defeated the Jets in week eight, 35-9, and have not won a game by more than six points since the first day of November. Chiefs have been sleepwalking through most of this season. Remember last year, they trailed every postseason game by double digits. So this team is extremely streaky, even quarter to quarter. And in comes the Browns, having the most successful season in forever. With absolutely no expectations, as we all know, life's about expectations, and they have nothing to lose because they could lose this game 50 to nothing, and they'll still say it's a successful season in Cleveland. The Chiefs are going to pass, and they're going to throw it around the rink out there in Kansas City, but will the weather prevent them from doing everything they want? We're going to find out. The Browns will have to play perfectly to pull this game out in a monumental upset type thing. But getting double-digit points against a team that hasn't played in three weeks, because they all rested the last week of the regular season, and they haven't covered a game in months. The Browns. That's where I'm putting my money today. Making matters worse for the number one seeds is their record against the lowest seeds, the number sixes, and that's what the Browns are. In that matchup, the home teams, 9-6 and straight up, 4-10-1 against the spread since 2006, and that's Kansas City's scenario today. High winds. Anytime, here's our trend for this game. Anytime you see the temperature of below 40 degrees, the average wind is above 10, just take the under. Whether it's the playoffs, whether it's the regular season, cold winds, cold temperatures, high winds, take the under. We're taking Cleveland and the double-digit points, and we're going under the number out in the desert. It's a 52 in this one. That's what we're taking. 57, excuse me. We're going under the 57, and we're taking Cleveland in the double digits in the first game. Game number two, another interesting game. They're in for a treat in this Sunday night game. The Tampa Bay Bucks, 12-5 and five now straight up, 9-8 and eight against the spread. They've won five straight and beat Washington, hail to the football team, last week in the wild card game, but they didn't cover the spread, a game we actually picked here on the bottom line. 
The second-seeded Saints, it seems like it's now or never for them. Drew Brees, probably not playing next year. Saints, 13-4, 10-6-1 against the spread this year. They pulled out a miracle last week, covering a spread in a game where they might not have covered the spread had the Bears been allowed to convert a two-point conversion at the end. Not that I'm bitter at all whatsoever about that one. Divisional Road Dogs, 59% against the spread over the last decade in these playoffs. A lot of the uh, Sharps out in the desert hit the over in this game, pushing the total up from 50 to 52. Because in the playoffs, when you have the domes in the playoffs, it rules out all the weather, and the overs hit in the playoffs 65% in the domes over the last decade. Tampa expected to get their star linebacker Devin White back from the COVID list, and the Bucks had an extra day of rest because they played on Saturday, Saints played on Sunday. But here's the old adage that I think is just a big ball of you-know-what, but you hear all the time. You hear it all the time when people are trying to handicap these games in the NFL. How hard is it to beat a team three times in a season? How long have we heard this? Decades. It's hard to defeat a team three times in a season. Uh Uh-huh. Yet again, you've fallen for the cliches without doing research. Since 1970, there have been 21 playoff matchups where one team had defeated the other team twice during the regular season. In those 21 matchups, the team that had won twice won 14 out of those 21 times in the third game. And when that team was playing at home in the playoffs, now that team is 12-5 and five in the third game in the playoffs. Can't beat a team three times, huh? Yeah, that's crazy talk. November 8th, Tampa got three points at home against the Saints. The Saints have dominated Tampa twice this season because they got to Tom Brady 16 times in the two games. The Saints are the better team. They're at home And this might be the last go-round for Drew Brees. We'll lay the three in the Saints today. And then, of course, our division unders, which we love to play. Of course, we got burned on it last week in Cleveland. But who knew that they would score 28 points in the first quarter? Division unders from November 1st on, including playoffs, always take the under in these divisional matchups. Anytime the total is going to be over 44.5, that's the case today. 52 is the total. We'll take the Saints laying the three, and we'll take under the 52 in the NFL nightcap tonight. Saints and under. We'll take both unders today. And here's a little addition, a uh, a bonus for you. Our Mac Daddy Stogies. College basketball today at noon. This will get you revved up for the football games. Got to have some action at noon. Here's one for you. The Iowa Hawkeyes, the number five team in the nation. They are a double-digit favorite at Northwestern. Northwestern has lost four games in a row. Iowa ranked number five. Easy money. Take Iowa all the way to the bank, right? Wrong again. Ken Palm says Iowa only wins this game by eight. And our trend for this game, when an unranked team is coming off a double-digit loss, that's Northwestern, and they're facing a top-five team, that's Iowa, the underdog covers 58.4% of the time since 2005, 150 up, 107 down. And the premises for this is the public provides value on the underdog because no one gives them a chance coming off a big loss, and now they're up against a top-five powerhouse. A few weeks ago, we gave you Northwestern over Michigan State straight up. They won the game straight up over that fraud called Michigan State. That's another story for another day. And we like them to cover again today, so give us Northwestern getting double-digit points 
against Iowa just to get you fired up and help your bankroll out for the big NFL games today. So there you have it, the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio. Our five picks for today in the NFL. Take Cleveland getting double digits and go under the 57. Take the Saints giving up three and go under the 52. And get fired up for the game today by taking Northwestern getting double digits against Iowa. Those are your Mac Daddy Stogies. You can take those bad boys to the desert and smoke them. Coming up after the break, we'll get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio, and we'll see if the Angelo Show wants to come in and debate us. I don't know if he will or not. But first, Clark's Auto Service. Bill Clark and his staff out there, Ethan Hall, a great guy, and they fixed my cars up, and they are running like dreams right now. Bill Clark, they were open all during the pandemic. They've been open, and they provide great service. I drove a toasty car in here to the studios here as I look outside and I still see it snowing. I had not a worry in the world. My car started immediately and that heat got it. I was hot. I had to turn the heat off halfway on the way over here. Make sure to check them out. ClarksAutoLexington.com That's Clark's Auto Service, the best in the business. ClarksAutoLexington.com We'll get you ready for the rest of the day on ESPN Radio right here on ESPN Radio 1392.5 ESPN Radio 1392.5 you know, I say it every week. I have to have a conference with Sean C., our program director, who loads the music into this computer for me here. I don't think he, uh, I don't think he knows me well enough to know my uh, preference in music. You know, yeah. 80s, 90s R&B. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen one of those around here, but I've seen a lot of ACDC. Yeah. I need to go on my uh, soliloquy about uh, it ain't Keith Sweat's fault. That's going to be my... Uh, in the spring and summer, we don't have as much sports to talk about. I'm going to have to give my it ain't Keith Sweat's fault analogy. That's another story for another day. But coming up on ESPN Radio today, hopefully we'll have the Angelo Show coming up at the top of the hour. This afternoon at 2.30, the Cleveland Browns, the Kansas City Chiefs, who had that matchup in the divisional round of the playoffs before the season started. I don't think many people had the Browns. Everybody had the Chiefs. We have uh, we like the, the Browns today getting all those points and maybe a little weather-induced under the number, if you know what I mean, as we heard in our last segment. And immediately following, we have another NFL playoff game here on ESPN Radio. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel down to New Orleans to face the Saints. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, two old quarterbacks, and the winner gets to face Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay next week. Will that uh, will that be Drew Brees? I think it will. I think the Bra- the uh, the Saints will win this game today. You're going to have to give up three to get them, but uh, I think the Saints are the play today in this game. Of course, uh, don't forget, uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up here on ESPN Radio in the future weeks. Uh, we have every NCAA basketball tournament game this uh, this March. Hope that as they're going, if there's going to be a tournament, we're going to broadcast literally wall-to-wall, gavel-to-gavel NCAA tournament coverage. So if you're worried about where you're going to listen to the games while you're at work on those days, you can't get out of work for some uh, reason that you made up to the boss, you know, like, ah, why, how, how, does your, uh, how does your aunt die every year on the third Thursday of March? It happens every year like that. Yeah, well, now you've got a way. If you have to sit at the desk because you've been busted for three straight years of your aunt dying, yeah, now you've got a reason to listen to uh, ESPN Radio during those days because we'll be broadcasting every game. And uh, apparently we're going to have a Bracketology Spectacular a special edition of the bottom line, Bracketology Spectacular, that we're looking forward to when the time comes where we'll be talking about the brackets, both from a straight-up picking-your-brackets perspective and trying to get some money out in the desert, trying to cash a few tickets. Uh, In other words, look for those dogs in the first round. 
those uh, defensive dogs that nobody likes, and they play a slow tempo. Yeah, we love the NCAA tournament here at ESPN Radio, and I personally love the tournament myself. If they don't have it again this year, two years in a row without the tournament, I'll have to go to Gamblers Anonymous because I'm not betting enough. I know that for sure. But yes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex. You can chime in anytime. Email the show anytime. Bottom Line Lex at gmail.com. We're very grateful for the positive feedback that we've gotten both here in the building and out on the streets. We appreciate all of your listenership very, very much. And of course, Make sure to uh, tune in coming up next. The Angelo Show will be here at the top of the hour. And until then, and until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.